I'm like that chick in the Warriors. <laughs> hey, Warriors. Steven Seagal is coming to you from Alaska. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Run. Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. And we're going to do something today we haven't done before. I don't think we have anyway. Uh, doing a commentary for a movie you didn't work on and it's not a disengaged. Correct. So, <laughs> it's a distant something. I think if we want to distance ourselves from this movie, but no, there's a lot to be said and talked about with today's presentation commentary of On Deadly Ground from 1984 this is steven seagal's directorial debut and other than all those movies he has in serbia now i don't think he just directed any other movies not, at least not a studio movie anyway no i don't think so i think this was i think this was uh you know this was at the height of seagal mania <laughs> mania mania yeah. yeah everybody that gave him the the checkbook back this was after his oscar winning turn in um uh under siege <laughs> at least at least that was fun though I don't know. I still haven't seen it. I, it's on my list. I, I, I found a copy. As you know, I found a copy of it, so I am going to yeah. watch it. And weirdly, I've seen Under Siege 2, but not Under Siege. Which says a lot about Steven Seagal movies. It, I mean, it's funny, you know, back in the day when after Die Hard blew up, every movie was being pitched as Die Hard on Blah, Die Hard on Blah. Yeah, totally. And the irony is that that's how Under Siege was pitched. It was Die Hard on a battleship. And it became a big hit. And they said, hey, let's do a sequel. And you know how they pitched the sequel? Die hard on a train, not yeah, totally. under siege on a train. <laughs> die no, no. hard, on- <laughs> die hard on a train. So even though they had a successful movie and they want to make a sequel out of it, they still did that. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but this wonderful movie from 1994, and this is from Warner Brothers, because you know when he, I think other than Mark for Death, which was Fox, I think everything he did studio wise was Warner Brothers, wasn't it? Yeah, Above the Law, On Deadly Ground, Hard to Kill was Warner Brothers, Under Siege. What's the one with Forsyth? Out for something. It's Out, out. for Justice? <laughs> Dude, Maybe. God. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. God, I'm having a senior moment. Yeah, it is. Out for Justice. Out for Justice. Steven Seagal, William Forsyth. Yeah, Out for Justice. And that's what's funny. Dude, that was the fourth movie. It was like, it was before Under Siege, too. That's what's weird. I thought it was after. Oh, no, it was real early, I guess. Right? Yeah. 91. Yeah, wow. But today we have the wondrous On Deadly Ground. And, dude, here's the thing about it. There's some heavy hitters in this movie, and not just on screen, but, like, behind the scenes, too. Basil Polidorus does the score in this. And at the time, dude, he was in demand, like, in a big way. And yeah. I'm really surprised. <laughs> that he agreed to do it but the movie had a 50 million dollar budget and it took in a whole whopping 38.6 now 38.6 back in 94 isn't terrible at least for a movie of this ilk but obviously it wasn't a hit because it didn't make its money back even just for the budget forget about the pna budget that goes along with it and it probably cost them 75 to 80 to produce it and promote it 
Um, we have actually no idea where this is going to go either. Right. Unlike the disengaged movies, we've seen this already numerous times. A few times. Yeah. So that's another thing too. It's unique about this commentary. So anyway, I, I think maybe we'll do, let's do a little quick rundown of like, you know, some of the cat, cause I don't think we're going to mention things, but there are some fun things to, to look for. Uh, if you're listening to this while you're watching it. So cast wise outside of like, you know, Seagal, Kane and Joan Chen, you get John McGinley, you get Arlie Ermey. Billy Bob Thornton shows up. <laughs> Almost unrecognizable until, right. you, until you hear him speak. And even when he speaks, you're like, did he dub him? <laughs> right. John Trudell shows up as Johnny Redfeather. Sven Oli Thorson, who's in a lot of these movies. But the, the cameo that I was most like, what? <laughs> How did this happen? Is Irvin Kirshner as Walters. Now, Irvin Kirshner directed Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. And RoboCop 2, amongst others. But uh, I thought that was kind of fun and kind of weird. Maybe one of the stranger things in this movie, but it's a movie of strange things. So maybe it's not that surprising, but right, right. Take a, you know, that's who it is. For a movie that takes place in Alaska and doing Alaska natives and everything. Looks a lot like Southern California. <laughs> there are lots of times you're like, where's, where's that at? That looks like, is that Snow Summit? Where are they? Are they at Mount Baldy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, as per our usual commentaries and most commentaries that you ever listen to, now we're, I personally am playing the iTunes version. I'm assuming you're playing your DVD. Yes, I am. It should be the same because nobody cleaned up this iTunes version. It still looks like it came off a laser disc and cropped to 16 by 9. But I got to admit, it's full 235 aspect ratio, so I'll, I'll take it. Anyway, so it'll be 3, 2, 1, play, and then we're going to be going. And, all right. All right, so 3, Two, one, play. Quote the crowd in the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. And today we have Steven Seagal's directorial debut on Deadly Ground. Ooh. Ooh. You see the Warner Brothers logo right now? Fading out? Just yeah, Warner right. Brothers Presents. So th this wonderful score is by Basil Polidorus, which is not uncommon in the 90s, but surprisingly it's used in this movie. Um, Steven Seagal is, was a draw. He was still, you know, he, he did a big box office before this. Yeah. They were churning them out. And then, and then this happened and this happened. Uh, I think the biggest mistake they probably had along the way in production is making it a bigger movie than it deserved to be, you know, with my yeah. ad Michael Caine uh, is a big jump. Uh, you know, granted Michael Caine never says no to a project. You know, especially during this period, he was like in everything, man. Like he'd show up like Dennis Miller said, like, yeah, I think he was in my uh, home video for my wedding. <laughs> That's fair. So yeah. anyway, this wonderful camera work you're seeing right now is from the late Rick Waite. And this is a guy that did a lot of different things, including uh, on the original 48 Hours and Walter Hill's The Long Riders, which is a classic. And if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny. Uh, I just saw my friend Doug Metzger. Uh, he was, I think he, he said associate producer, but he was also the first AD, I believe, on this film. I did. He was a uh, first AD on Supercon. Oh. Hey, there was a polar bear or a person in a polar bear suit. Probably not. <laughs> Probably some, you know. That's not, that's not Bart the bear. That's that, a, that wasn't Bart. That's somebody else. Bob. Bob <laughs> the bear. His cousin Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> what about Bob? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this this is what we were talking about, sort of these op this opening 
it's a little prophecy esque. Yeah. There are, a couple, there are a couple of shots in this movie that this when they, reminded me of the thing. Dude. There's your there's your Jurassic Park shot too, right there. Right, right. So it's <laughs> we got a Jurassic Park shot. We got you know John Carpenter's the thing, minus the husky breaking through the plane of snow there, and then bang, we're into the middle of a, you know John Wayne's the Hellfighters. Boom goes. Now in this scene, you're gonna see, uh, uh, gosh darn it, Richard Hamilton. Um, who's best known for being the drunk towards the end of Arthur, having a good talk with Arthur, talking about Russians and dancing and fighting. And again, if you haven't seen Arthur, more shame to you. Yeah, that was him just now. He was uh, waving, you know, did a lot of, lot of hand waving and, you know, helicoptering. Right, 12 years after Arthur, and he still looks exactly the same in this. Yes, right, I mean, he hadn't aged a bit. Or, I mean, wasn't showing it for sure. Now, they did some unusual stuff in this shot and uh, this sequence right here. And and one of the things I found very odd about it was how they got all of this real estate on the screen to work with. But some of the explosions and some, and this goes throughout the movie. Boots on the ground, baby. They're super, yeah, they're super tight or tighter than they should be. I'm like, there's going to be an explosion. Why are you so tight? Pull wide, pull wide. That's what she said. Anyway. Look, there he is. Smoking a more cigarette. <laughs> or maybe it was a Saratoga. Yeah. I love, the, I love the presentation of him when he gets out of the helicopter and he's like going, wait, is he the rich guy? Is he the, is he the piece of shit in the movie? Right. We don't know who he is. We just know he right. likes fringe. You know, he's... Everybody's dancing here. Ah. Uh, there he is. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. One of the things that's most jarring about Michael Caine in this movie is not his over-the-top acting, but is those heavily mascared eyebrows of his. Yeah, I don't know, man. Was, was that to make him look harsher? I mean, you know, he it wasn't like he hadn't played a bad guy before. I mean, I don't know, man. It was well, funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the whole bad guy thing. You got to have the dark hair and the dark eyebrows. And, you know, he has lighter, fairer hair anyway. So they need yeah. to darken things up, make him look more evil. I guess so. I mean, and then they set him there next to Christopher McDonald. Wait, that's not Christopher McDonald. That's no. uh, John McGinley. Yeah. John C. McGinley. Way, way, way pre-scrubs. Pre-scrubs. And, and post way, way, way. Platoon. And then post, uh, or say, way, way, way pre uh, the, uh, office space. I almost forgot about office space there. Right. Which office space came a few years after this. Because this is what, this is 94, right? So yeah, yeah, five years after this. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I was familiar with McGinley mostly from his work in the Oliver Stone movies, uh, yep. Platoon and Talk Radio, Wall Street and such. Oh, I love him in Talk Radio. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But see these super tight shots right there? Stay yeah. wide on this, man. Right. I know. It's what, what I mean, it's funny, man. They've, you know, there's not like there's anything they don't want to look at. I just, yeah, I don't understand. Right. There's nothing by pushing it, put, there's nothing that we're seeing by pushing in. Like there's one no. part coming up right here where he's gonna see a crack in the in the part. Like, well, we don't know what the part looks like. How do we supposed? To, he goes, "Oh fuck!" Like, <laughs> we're supposed to know what he's talking about. Like, yeah, we we can't see the part and that it's that it's problematic. All we see is a big fire. Right. You can and talk. You can talk about it afterwards, Steven Seagal, and tell us what's wrong. But don't 
weird. Yeah, just come out of the, you know, come out carrying it. <laughs> and Replaced it. Yes. And I love how casual his delivery is. All right there. Yeah. Hey, hey, everybody, go. Why don't you, you might want to step back. Yeah, it's not oh, an oil guess. rig on fire. <laughs> no, it's cool. Now look at him. I'm going to use this. That's how he blocked out and kept yeah. himself safe. He didn't catch his head on fire. How ridiculous is that? See? Yep. For everybody to see. Guys. Oh. I, this old trick. I'm going to blow it. This is where it, Look at that. do you think they do you think they stole they got that's where they got the idea for Mission Impossible for the trailer? Sure. Now I'll say that wasn't a terrible shot with that 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 shot of uh of Seagal there. Look no, at no, I mean there's some great I mean it looks like a you know, I mean it's got all the it's photograph it's got a good pedigree. It's just you know, the movie is just super silly. Yep. As always. Look at that hair. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man, it's funny seeing Michael Caine with that. Uh, his hair, it just looks so weird. I mean, it's his hair, but, man, it's just not a style. It's just not style the way we're used to seeing Michael Caine's hair. He looks like a All the way back to get Carter. He looks like a Munchichi doll. Yeah. Munchichi, Munchichi. And there's our homeboy there next to Seagal, right? <laughs> yeah, we got Svenily Thorson, and we got uh, McGinley. And for those of you that are big Kevin Smith fans, that's where you know him from. You know him from Mallrats. Or Conan the Barbarian. Well, I mean, if you knew, if if you're a Conan fan. But Kevin Smith fans don't watch Conan. No, no don't watch Conan. It's funny. I don't think I've ever seen the only, I think the only movie, you, you just nailed the, the my favorite and only really Kevin Smith movie that I think I've seen more than once. Mallrats. I forgot he was in Mallrats. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. What was he? We just we saw something else he was in not long ago. We watched we, something we watched he was in. He shows up in a lot of stuff, man. Usually doing like second unit stunt work. I think he was in. Uh, wasn't he in? Uh, oh, dude, he was in Eraser. Oh, <laughs> uh, was oh yeah, he totally was. Yeah, yeah he's, he's one of the yeah, yeah. he's one of the Russians. Yeah, yeah, totally. At the end of the movie, right? Yeah, looking <laughs> almost exactly the same. <laughs> That's so funny. Here we he, are. He's also in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Yeah. And we we would have totally touched on that, too, if we ever get around to doing Soldier, which we've talked about. Right. And because Jason Scott Lee it plays the lead in that, but he's also in Soldier. And then, and I, you know, I, I kind of love Mike Starr, even though he's just playing, like, the same. This is, like, after he got fired for by Whitney Houston, in the bodyguard, <laughs> he he headed on up to Alaska. That's it. <laughs> Became an oil worker. I'm ready to go, guys. <laughs> a cupcake. I love the back and forth. Calls him cupcake, and then it refers to the other guy as Geronimo, and then Pocahontas. I'm like, hey, keep your mind, man. You're not. He's just like yeah. throwing all these these uh, uh, Native American taglines that we're supposed to like relate to. I'm like, right, you, you piece of shit. You might as well just be wearing a shirt that says dick. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag dick. Um, There's, we haven't seen a Seagal fight yet. Nothing's happened yet. We are, I don't know how far into the movie are we? We are. No, we're building ten tension. Minute, ten, minute, 10 minutes in. But yeah, look at, look at, look at this. Look how beautiful this, this shot's too good for a Steven Seagal movie. 
Hey, it's beautiful, man. I mean, it's, I mean, this is a great shot. I mean, it, this bar is great. I mean, it's funny, man, because I would say by far, this probably has the best production value of any of these Seagal movies that came before it. I mean, I can't say for Under Siege because I've never seen it, but, uh, you know, looking back on the ones we've been, the ones we watched and, you know, I watched Above the Law not long ago, but this, you know, this looks like an expensive movie. And it was fifty million at in ninety four. Uh, I should say ninety three because the movie came out in February of ninety four. It is, it's not an inexpensive movie, and thankfully you see it on the screen. Yeah, I mean they do. They 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 put the money in it. They knew where to put the cameras. You know, it was lit well. It's just you know, there he is sitting at a bar. I'm so this. I mean, this made me so happy seeing him sitting at a bar. Yeah, I just, right. I just it's felt. Almost- Framed up like Arthur. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tempted to like drop in, like, oh my god, you know, wonderful sound bites from Arthur because Arthur is awesome. Uh, dude, I look at look way. how he's smoking. He I was just like gonna somebody. say, dude, <laughs> he looks like somebody who's smoking has no idea how to smoke, or somebody who doesn't want their, you know, fifth grade. They don't want to get busted in between periods <laughs> in high school. And they're trying to smoke out behind the, you know, behind the gym and simultaneously keep their hands warm. Yeah, totally. Well, it's cold out here this morning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Look how big his mitts are. They're so huge. He's a big, I mean, he's a big dude. I yeah. mean, it, this is before, uh, I mean, he still looks fairly, you know, he looks, uh, he still is long and lean in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, this was probably at the height of his ponytail. Maybe this is its greatest length. I'm not sure. I'd have to oh, check out what no. was next. Did no, it get no. longer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, his hair marked for death is much longer than this. But Mark Bedez is before this, right? Right. That's what I mean. Like, oh. what, you know what I'm saying? It got, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so it was already on its way down. They yeah. were trimming it. Right. And then he'll cut it off completely for Under Siege. Oh, gosh. See, I got it now. I'm going to have to watch Under Siege. Yeah, I haven't you, seen it yet. Because you can't carry that ponytail in the, in the Navy. Even if you're a cook? Even if you're a cook. <laughs> oh, even if you're just the cook. You know, the just the cook thing. I remember, does Under Siege 2 have a lot of the just the cook lines? Because in the first Under Siege, it's a constant, Man, it's a constant I, thing, yeah. I barely remember the second uh, <laughs> Under Siege. I remember going to the movies in Northridge to see it with some friends, like, when it came out. But I don't remember many details about it. I remember, you know, they're on a train, him and Morris Chestnut. <laughs> on a train. I don't remember as many uh, I'm a cook jokes. Uh, the, I, I, the only reason I, I feel like they said it in the trailer or maybe they did say it. And I kind of was like, what the hell is this all about? And they're like, oh, that's the thing. He's a cook in the first one. I was like, yeah. Oh. So, so the guy just got kicked in, they kicked in the chest right there. And he's getting his ass kicked big tall ball, dude. He's also in a lot of movies around this time, a lot of Warner brothers movies, a big stunt player. But I'm pretty sure he, isn't he the the idiot son, uh, Max Shrek's son in Batman Returns? Oh uh, yeah, you might be right. I think he is. He's also, that was another Warner Brothers movie. Another, it was probably made right yeah. around right before this, I would say, right? Because it came uh, out in '92. Nine, yeah, something like that. Yeah, '92. Yeah. I think Zach Knutson is actually a stunt player in this sequence somewhere. He's one of the guys who, you know, I think it's once the fight. 
breaks loose. I, I, I was trying to slow it down and find him, but I, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask him exactly where he's at. Yeah, you had mentioned it to me, and I was looking for him, and I couldn't find it. Now, I love how the old guys step up now, finally. I'm like, <laughs> Well, the thing about you won't, dude, I think I just saw Zach at the bar. He has a full head of hair here. He doesn't look anything like oh. he looks now. Oh, he has. Well, that was my problem. I was looking for a bald man. Oh no no he uh, I, he was I think I just saw him for the first time there was a reaction shot he was standing in front of the bar in like a brown jacket but he's got a full head of hair. I uh, see now I got to watch it again. <laughs> it was right before he threw the person through the uh, jukebox I guess. But yeah, Mike Starr dude was Mike wasn't Mike Starr Mike Starr was uh, Mike Starr was in a lot of stuff at this point he was in Goodfellas he's one of the dudes who was Robin Lufthansa I think right and then uh, you know Dumb and the, Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, the bodyguard. Uh, you know, he kind of always played this kind of role, like a tough guy who wasn't so tough. This scene makes me laugh, dude. <laughs> right. And the way it ends. It's but Seagal is actually, dude, I like the way he plays it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It, I was surprised, too. He was just kind of going for it. I mean, well, he doesn't need to beat the shit out of him because he just cleared uh, out the bar. Right. right? So, Obviously, he could kick the shit out of him. You know, and he's just toying with him, you know. It's fun. But no, again, it's, yeah. I'm the cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love how his delivery here in front of a crowd of people is the same delivery he has when he's one-on-one with somebody in other movies. Right. He's got one delivery, and that's it. Yeah, he doesn't, He doesn't, there, there's no up or down. It's it's all like, you know, one note. <laughs> He doesn't have a tick like Jean-Claude Van Damme does where, you know, Jean-Claude did that little head, <laughs> no. head tick before he says a line. Nope. But he is he is consistent. Let's just say that. And I don't mean that as a shot, honestly. I mean, that it's like he's consistent. Look, man, I'm going to say, I, I think I said it during uh, Mark for Debt. I was a big fan of Above the Law and even Hard to Kill. I, I love Hard to Kill. I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and uh, Out for Justice. It's just by this point, it had kind of started to get silly <laughs> and he started to become like a superhero. Well, another thing, too, right around the time where he was starting to build up was this time where high concept action movies were becoming the norm. Yeah. You know, everything was getting, you know, you're having 10 minute pitch meetings now for a simple action movie, but everything got complicated. And soon after this, later on this year, 94 is when speed hit. And now and that's kind of changed the whole dynamic of the straight ahead 90s action movie and that's why we started getting all those super villains super villains we started getting all the movies from this point forward that we've already covered a lot of which we've already covered and are going to cover in the future have a quality to them that stems from that high concept idea of let's make this is this isn't just an action movie it's an action movie with twists and that's what you get yeah and, What's surprising is that, you know, Die Hard was the first one that had those twists, you know, that said, that kind of turned it on its ear, like, oh, you had a villain that was likable, you know? Right. And, and every movie since then has tried, even the, the, the Die Hard sequels themselves have tried to do the same thing. And they've only succeeded right. one time as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, they really went for that that route in this movie by hiring, uh, you know, a very well-known, very well-respected English actor. Right. You know, I mean, Rickman was, the thing that was cool in Die Hard about Rickman is we hadn't really seen Rickman Yeah, before. who was that guy? For sure. I mean, Michael Caine, I feel was, you know, again, like you had said earlier, it was, he was, 
he was coming out of every, Hey, look, <laughs> there's Kirshner. There he is. Um, but you know, Michael Caine was coming out of things like Jaws, the revenge. And, um, you know, I mean, I knew him from blame it on Rio and all those things. So, you know, cause I hadn't sort of, I just had started to educate myself with things like, you know, those Harry Palmer films and get Carter. And so it was kind of weird for me to like, you know, try to take Michael Caine, who I kind of knew mostly as a comedic actor or, a, um, or, you know, somebody who showed even, I guess he was a comedic actor in just revenge because Hoagie <laughs> the Bush pilot was funny. Sure. Uh, and again, uh, there's one movie I talked about a lot too. Uh, Harry Brown. If you've not seen Harry Brown, oof. Do yourself a massive favor and hey, look, there's some caribou. <laughs> yeah, he, obviously, Michael Caine does not care about them. Nope, Michael Caine does not like caribou. All right, so there's Aaron Kirshner again to the left right there. We with the wonderful ponytail, so that's why Seagal finally failed emasculated. So he had to cut his, cut his trademark, mm-hmm. at least trim it. Kirshner looks like he's falling Look asleep. Because he was. Right? Oh, oh, I, I directed Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I mean, at this point, uh, at this point, I mean, what was he in between right now? You know? Kirshner? I mean, yeah. this, is, this is after Robocop 2, right? Which right. Kind of Four tanked. years, and he never directed a movie again. Yeah, I mean, dude. I mean, he didn't he pass. In- yeah, he didn't pass until 2010. Granted, he was 87, but you right. know, right? I mean, he was in movie jail. I feel for a bit after that James Bond "Never Say Never Again." Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, or no. not. Yeah, I mean, maybe just when he was also. I think he was. I think he was a bit older, but well, he no. was already almost 70. He was 70 in this. No, nah, no, nah, he wasn't in movie jail because of "Never Say Never Again." That movie made a shit ton of money. No, dude, it did 160 million worldwide. Really? On a 36 million dollar budget, yeah, ain't, ain't too oh, shabby for an 83 movie. Oh, it's better. Go. Don't forget, Stand man. Corrected. It's that it's the worldwide draw of a Bond movie, especially with him coming back. Oh no, I think it did terrible domestically. No, it says worldwide gross 55 million. No, right 100, on 160. I'm looking at Never Say Never Again, Sean Connery, James Bond. Budget was 36 million. Worldwide gross fifty five million. Hundred sixty. Mm, I don't know where you're looking. <laughs> Your numbers are skewed. Poor. Are you skewing them for inflation? Is fifty is that in today's dollar? No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's box office mojo, dude. Oh. Uh, and and well box office mojo is owned by IMDB, so go figure. They need to get their act together. Uh, yeah, doesn't matter. We're not watching Never Say Never Again anyway. Thankfully, it's because it, this might be better than that. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, nope, there's McGinley. This you could tell what you, that goatee is very 1994. Yeah, you know, who he looks like in this too. What is, on, what is going on with Kane's face at this moment? <laughs> it's so shiny, it looks like he just oiled up. I guess he was shaving, and that's shaving cream. I guess I didn't notice it yesterday, but now I'm like, oh yeah, shaving cream. Yeah, he's. What's funny about McKinley in this movie that he, you know, he got the crazy goatee, but he keeps wearing that those informer, uh, you know, like that, that guy that that terrible Canadian singer rapper, 
from the 90s, Snow. Snow. He's got yeah. those awful snow informer glasses when you see him later on. Doesn't matter if he's in a scene where he's inside or when he's at, outside. He's got the right. sun, sunglasses version of it. It's terrible. The pipeline. Look at that. There's some impressive. See again, more shots of prophecy. yeah. Look how terribly how terribly mad at that was. Yeah, right. No, don't. No, did you? Did now you, they're in Van Nuys. Did you notice out of <laughs> out of all the shots in this movie, everything is nice and locked down, nice and steady, except for that pipeline shot. You know, they just ran up there with the camera and shot it really quick before the, some government official got on their ass. Oh yeah, man. Okay, I'll get our shot and run away because <laughs> it's it's so wobbly. It's wonderful. Love handhelds. I love that he has his name, the big Forrest Taft on the side of his truck. Forrest Taft. Yeah. <laughs> another 80s, another, another trademark in the 90s, like we talked about before. The, just like the worst names for your central character. And they had to keep putting the, the, the name of the truck, the name of the, the, his character in the truck, so he quit getting into the wrong car like he did in uh, uh, Mark for Death. He's really big on getting somebody else's car. Yeah, I'm dri- I'll drive, thanks. <laughs> to give me the keys. I'm familiar with the suburban. <laughs> By the way, the song Informer is from 1992, just in case you didn't know. It was produced oh, by, I, no. by, MC, oh, I, by MC Shan. I remember Snow. <laughs> Those for the people that don't know. I, uh, it's funny because uh, was there was Snow and then there was uh, the other song. It's not Snow, but it always made me laugh because it could have been Snow. But it was Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Eni Kamosi. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you can, from, but that song you still hearing a lot of stuff still. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just heard it. It was on a, some, it was on a Netflix show I was watching. They went into a club and I was like, are they playing the Hot Stepper? Is this a period movie? <laughs> Is this a period show? Oh, dude, that's a big thing of scotch, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. That's I love the, yeah. I said I love that they put, uh, you know. Oh, here it is. Here's those glasses again. Is, is that a beaded curtain, or is oh no, those are blinds. <laughs> <was like, laughs> why is there? Oh, okay, no, they're just they're just uh, vertical blinds. Yeah, he's in his love den. <laughs> do you think that that's intentional? That they behind McGinley, they're moving, or do you think he hit him by accident? Let's see when they cut back to him. No, they're still swinging. Yeah, you think not, that was a signal like, saying, okay, not like that. Look, at, look how bad. Yeah. Right, right before we go, I want someone to go in there. I want you to hit that. I want, I want to see some movement behind him. Go in there right now. Take this portable Take your walking get on the floor. I want you to just blow. Just blow. Some special effects guy lying there pissed off on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> look at him. Harder. <laughs> this is somebody that does not know. You. He doesn't look comfortable around a computer. Oh, no. Uh, uh-oh. Oh. Uh-oh. Better hide that stuff. Yeah. I love you how know the, these two guys are up to no good. Did you see how, like how they showed the floppy disk? The insert shot the floppy is like turned upside down so you knew what it was. Right. Yeah, you know, somebody said, hey, no one's going to know what that is. Turn it the right other way. I'm like, well, dude, who knew what a floppy disk was in 94? So computers still weren't that prevalent. Right. You know, they were in everybody's houses in 94. Yeah, I didn't have any in my home. Yeah. Or I mean, I did. then. I paid eighteen hundred dollars so I could write at home. That's what I did. <laughs> but then it was, and still, it was two or three years before us. So I bought mine like ninety one, ninety two, somewhere around there. My first copy of Final Draft ever. I did install it off of 
six floppy disks. So there you Good go. Good lord. For a word processing program. All right. Oh, he took the glasses off for a he's conversation. That's how we know he's serious. Because he's inside yeah. now. Right. He's got to put them on so he can pull the trigger. But how menacing is he going to look, though, if he's got his glasses on? Sunglasses, sure. Oh, look, he put them back on. <laughs> yeah. And one, it looks like there's no lenses in them. <laughs> right. Oh, no, there are. Get those red frameless type. Yeah, man. Those are, uh, that was a thing, wasn't it, back in the day? People loved those. But if, you know, a lot of times when you see somebody wearing glasses in a movie, you can see the distortion. The AR coding. The, yeah. <laughs> no, now, man, now all the anti reflective. Oh, you can see that every time you see a purple tint in somebody's glasses in a movie or television show now. That's what it is. It's the anti, it's anti glare coding on there. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what was I watching. I was watching something the other day, and it was so obvious. It was like distracting. But McGinley, McGinley's glasses, I'm pretty sure don't have any prescription lenses in them because you don't see that distortion that you normally see when. Yeah, when he, I, yeah. you know, it's like someone he just told the prop person he wanted to wear glasses. So. Yep. Need glasses, or they said put glasses on him. Now look at that. You're seeing it's a super Mac video card. This he is actually sitting at a Macintosh. But because at the time, you know, product placement wasn't really big, uh, or at least it wasn't at that was not in every movie anyway. But then again, who wanted to put product placement in a Steven Seagal movie? But uh, you know, Apple wasn't really big on allowing people to use their their logos and film and movies at the time. At this time in ninety four, you know, Steve Jobs was still gone. He was booted out just a couple of years before this, but right, he would have been all over it. Wasn't he relaunching with Next at that point? Yeah, pretty close. Like 90, Ninety-five, maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. There this was something point, coming. Right at this point, Pixar was already out there doing their things, and we're just a couple of years from this, we're gonna get uh, Toy Story. Spelling uh, the, lesson from John C. McGinley. Uh, the, the funny thing about McGinley, dude, is like that his voice would crack when he would, you know what I mean? Always. Yeah. And I, I think that was like a trademark thing, or maybe that's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, but see, after, so, right, after, after six years of scrubs, dude, I have a hard time watching movies like this again, you know? Me too, man. It's really funny because I, I, I watched Platoon not long ago, and in Platoon, he is. He, he is such a douchebag, and you see, like, his character Bob. No, not Bob. He's red. So I read. Um, but he's so. It's so funny. Like to, yeah. Scrubs kind of ruined all these movies for me because I just can't take him serious. But this is great. Now what he's doing right here makes me laugh. I'm like, what are you doing? I love that. I love the uh, the corn syrup. The way it beads on the pants. Yeah. Right. Um, his scotch guarded pants so yeah so they could you take two there's a great shot right there oh there's some corn syrup some corn syrup on the window <laughs> so good this is a weird shot dude is like, it this whole moment's weird well it's weird and it's just like it's not framed up for i mean i don't know man it's supposed to be a big press conference but they put it in a set that looks like it's about 20 feet wide <laughs> If that, it's super bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird looking. 
Have we seen Joan Chen yet? Is she showed up in this movie yet? No, we don't see Joan until after the explosion, right? Yeah, I think so. I, for some reason, I thought we were already there. Oh, here she is. Oh, yeah. right. Almost on there, cue. That's why yeah. I, I thought there was somewhere where she had walked into a room. And here we go. We're, there we are. So there she is. Now, is this before she, she became a director? 94. I got to say, yeah. Right? I mean, I remember she was in a bunch of stuff. And then, then she made the jump to behind the camera. 20 years ago. I don't want to be an ass or anything, but you start swinging your film, start pointing. I don't care who you are. That's really, that's really rude to be pointing your finger at people like that. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) She just threw paint on him. (laughs) It was paint. It was paint. Like this. Oh, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Look at that. Now it looks like they threw ink on him. We're doing a thing where we keep referring to better movies. That's what yeah. we do. Not, well, yes, but you know, not unexpected or undeserved. Who's that guy with the hair in the background right there? Oh, right, where, where'd he go? He just, we lost him. He walked off with the with uh, Kane's right hand. Do you see man. the symbolism right here? Kane is standing in front of the wolf, <laughs> and uh, Seagal is standing in front of the ram in the wide when they go back to the two shot. <laughs> I kept laughing at this yesterday. I had to keep rewinding it because look at look at Michael Kane just thinking to himself, "What am I doing in this movie? How much are they paying me?" <laughs> sure. Yeah, there's there's like half your half of your thirty million or fifty million, where the hell it was. Uh, oh, we missed it. There was that one good shot, dude, and it's like Kane is framed in front of the wolf, and he's framed in front of the ram, and it's just so funny. Look at beginning at the hard look. Yeah, well, it's hard to. Yeah, you know. Look you, at him; he's boozing it in the middle of the day. Look at if you notice, you don't see him actually drinking. Is that weird? Yeah. What was it? Was that he's a, putting the flask, flask away? Right. Yeah, putting the flask away, but you didn't see him take the drink. That must have been the only take that they had, but they decided not to have him actually drinking on the job, so to speak. Right. At least in the bar he's on, he's not obviously not working. Yeah, he's not on company time. But now he is. What was that in your hand, Forrest? <laughs> Dude, and here's something that's really disappointing. As much as we love Steven Seagal and talk about his running, he doesn't run in this movie. No. Well, he does. And the Back white, and forth to the camera. Coming up, the right, monitors. coming up now, he's going to run, but it's not really him. It's his stunt double. So let's see if his stunt double runs in that great Steven Seagal way of running. And you don't see much of it because he blows up. So, Yeah, I mean. Uh, okay, okay, this is something that cracked me up about this movie. Right now, just like with the opening sequence, why is the why is Michael Caine anywhere near any of this stuff? What, I was just going to say, why is he in the helicopter with those three guys? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, and none of them are dressed for the weather. <laughs> right. Right. And, and what is it? Okay. What is it about the this yellow smoke that doesn't alert him that that there's something going on? Right. Did somebody leave a flare to mark the way? And he's going to be like, oh shit, there's Hugh. <laughs> 
drowning in his own feces, but he's been long since dead. Because we know he got murdered in his house. Yes, I miss a Magruder. Okay, Magruder, get your hands dirty. Magruder. Oh, my God, what's going on in here? Oh. How, uh, here's Richard too- Farnsworth. <laughs> you had too much to drink. See? <laughs> you don't get to see him run. Whee! Seeing that dummy fly out of the explosion is maybe the highlight of this film. See, why isn't that a fully wide shot, man? I don't. You're right. Like, yeah, it's weird. Okay, that tells me that that's not Rick Wade. That tells me a second unit hey. that didn't. That, yes. Oh, look at it. Look at it. I love this. There was Bob the Bear again. Like Bob the Bear. I don't know. That's that's uh Bob the cousin, right? That's Bob, not yeah. Bart. Right. He's like, oh shit, man, people again. I'm out. Oh man. <laughs> Leave him alone. Look at him. Oh, this is some bullshit. When are you guys gonna shoot me? You're gonna stain my fur. I don't like it. Don't do it, man. There's smoke in the distance. Yeah. Oh my god, what come? Now, does that shot look squashed? Yeah, totally, man. And I got black bars at the top and bottom of mine, and it still looks squashed. And look how weirdly, oddly framed. The- right, it's, it's so much in the bottom part of the frame, and no little, very little headroom. So weird. Face down in the snow. Face down in the snow. I don't even know where that was going. No. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like uh, anything that was copywritten, so. No. I read all my own stuff, man. <laughs> I was singing the other day and Joey said, what are you singing, Dad? I said, nothing, just something I've written. Really? You write songs? I'm like, stop that. Stop it. Uh-oh. What's, what do you think's into that pile of furs? Uh, Steven Seagal? Yeah. Forrest Taft himself. Run, Forrest, run! Now, I find it funny that, I mean, this is pre, Paul, this is pre Forrest Gump? Uh, yeah, because this came out in February. A few months before, right? Yeah, and the other movies came out uh, later in the year. Yeah. Well, at this point, I think Pulp had already premiered in Cannes. Right. Uh, but that was it. Uh, yeah. Before, yeah, it's just funny, like the name Forrest, like not that it's, you know, I had heard the name Forrest several times before Forrest Gump, so it's not like it's the first thing, but it's kind of funny that, this movie, his character's name is Forrest, and forever, anybody in a movie named Forrest, from now on, someone will always make the run, Forrest run joke. Yep. No matter, you know, whether that name's been around since the beginning of time. Now, see, I love this. Again, same location that we saw the previous press conference. That was just, what, six minutes ago? Right. <laughs> Uh, it's the same crowd of people, and all they do is just move the camera around. Now yeah, we they put it now, behind Kane and, and in his face. We haven't seen one like shot from the first conference. Everything else is tight, medium shots on the on the podium, and even the pull in was on the reverse side. That dolly shot. I mean, sorry, the crane shots from the other side. But like, I'll say, <laughs> what did, what did he say? There's a lot. Of, I guess there's a lot of white people in this movie for Alaska. Well, all the press is funny. Like, it's like everybody who, you know, has a microphone in front of them. It's weird. And they're in Alaska, way up in Alaska. 
right? To where they have to use a helicopter to get around, right? Yeah. Why? How are they? Where are the press coming from? And none of those press people look like, you know, adventure photographers or, you know what I mean? They don't look like field people to me. No, they look like people who live in Los Angeles. Like maybe like they, they're actors. Like they rolled out a central casting. <laughs> so ridiculous. I don't want that. It tastes like poo. Ugh. Oh, look no. at Grand- Grandpa doesn't know of any idea where he's at. Oh, somebody help me. I mean, to me, this is like, you know, I'd rather the rest of the movie just take place with him and this whole thing. <laughs> I'm kind of t- tired of the uh, storyline back at the oil rigs. Right. They made jokes about dancing with wolves in the bar scene. <clears throat> Excuse me. Damn it. I think I edited that out. Um, but this is where they start getting, this is where the movie starts getting too serious for its own good. Um, and it's, and it's intriguing as all this stuff is, as far as like, you know, I appreciate right, it. It feels like with, another movie. It feels like a totally other movie. This is where it starts, you know, if Dance of the Wolves doesn't come out a couple of years before this, are they doing this scene? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but I, like I said, I appreciate I, I, that all of the, all the natives that they used in this portion of the movie, but they should, they really should use them a lot more in the movie just because, you know, just because you're working in an oil rig and everything doesn't mean you don't, the locals aren't working for you. And then that bar scene, how many locals do you see in there? Three or four. And the whole time you see them, they're being accosted. <laughs> right. Again, beautifully shot, beautifully framed, beautifully lit. Joan, Joan, you know, Joan Chen looks amazing in this movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, Like you said, the pedigree is there across the board, except for it just happens to be in a Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> right. It, it's like they brought all this talent to, like, you know, a straight to video, uh, <laughs> you know, straight to 2020 video home movie in the 90s. Like Christopher Lambert should have, this should have been a Christopher Lambert movie. Right. See, now what, now what are they pulling out of, out of his back? Are those, is that like shrapnel? Like, is that pieces of, the boiler, I guess. Well, I my know. well, my thing is, is when you see him lay on his stomach, he still got his tanks on the back and everything like that. That stuff wouldn't have got, they would have hit tanks. Maybe it was it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was it molten metal? This something metal? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's really I'm weird. not sure how that got in the middle of his back either. And it looked like it looked like a bunch of crystals he stuck in his back. I'm like, what are they putting crystals in his back for? I'm like, wait, is that shrapnel from the explosion? That's not possible. Whatever. Look at Sven. He's like, I, I I know a few of those words that you just said to me. <laughs> sure. Just nod. Oh, yes. Oh, look at this bolo tie. Dude, I was going to say that three scenes ago, that Michael Caine, every time they show him, even after people throwing oil, he keeps changing into the same suit. Is he like, um, is it just he's got the one outfit that he, he's like David Lynch. He just shows up every day in the same suit. <laughs> Put your bolo back on. Basically. Yeah, it's power move. Look Consistency. Oh, dude, that jacket looks so warm, dude. <laughs> right? God, I just want to take a nap in it, put that hood up and go to sleep. I've never I mean, in December. I have to say I've never been in weather so cold that I'd need that, that I would need to wear something like that. I have been in super cold weather, but I don't know that 
I have been, yeah. I mean, I've been in minus weather, but dude, to be dressed like that, <laughs> I'm gonna say it's it's even colder than what I've could have been imagined. <laughs> yeah, but like also it's weird because he's dressed like, but there's no, you know, there's no steam coming out of the dog's mouths or his mouth. <laughs> so right. you know. By the way, I'm very confused here about the dogs attacking him. Right. They think he's a bear. The man bear? <laughs> the Vicky's Bob. See? Even even your animals agree. Even George is like, thinks what, George thinks what's going on is very strange. George is like, what's up with the dogs? What's up with the dogs? Why are they biting the man, why are they biting the man bear? <laughs> George is like, get them. Eat them up. Look at, and then look at what she's wearing. Super white outfit. See, and that's another thing too. I like that they keep them the language native and everything too. Yeah, totally. And I'm and glad I, they and thankfully they didn't put any kind of subtitles over it. Just kind of like let Joan Chen do her thing. Yeah, totally. As opposed to other films, which I could, you know, where they start and they give you that whole like thing and then they slowly translate it into English. <laughs> yeah, the same just to let you know. They have that same problem in this movie that they have with Die Hard too. I feel like they're chasing the snow all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, it seems like, like right here, it looks like they ran out of, you know, they started ran into spring and, and the ice flow behind them is, you know, melting. Yeah. The giveaway here is look at that. The mountains, you got some snow caps, but that's about it. You don't have any serious coverage and you're seeing all the ice floating around in the water. You know, you know, it's close to the end of the, of and the, there's a of the lot season. of green, a lot of spring green there yeah. behind them. Yeah. Like right there, that reverse shot. Would you know that was the same time? Yeah, look at that. That's the end of a. That's the end of a season right there. Yeah, sure. It's it's April, or <laughs> May, <laughs> as opposed to the December we were in, or January we were in a few minutes ago. Look at this long shot, man. See, that's impressive. Yeah, and then they, you know, then this. Go <laughs> back to the. <laughs> We're up at the we're up at Yosemite doing our shots, right? Hey, welcome to Mount Baldy. How are you guys? Now um, I, I want, now I'm watching the iTunes version, digital version of this, and this movie's not been remastered. I still see you know I still see some film you know ticks here and there, some scratches, but man, that meet the shots on the, both their faces more so with his. The fact that you can see his pores that well, and granted you're on a DVD, you might not be able to see it as well, but it's pretty quality, man. It really is. Um, no, yeah. It's funny because I was going to say, you know, there's a lot of atmosphere. They used a lot of, you know, there was a lot of smoke in some of those earlier scenes, I think, to help with the, uh, to make it feel like it was colder than it was because maybe, you know, so they added a lot of atmosphere in some of those wider shots. Um, like here, I, yeah, I can, it's funny because I can, I can tell, I can see their skin. It, it's, it, the DVD is not a terrible, uh, it's not as terrible as some DVDs. What were we, what did I watch? We were talking about, and oh, it was, um, and it was postage stamp size too. It was a uh, terminal velocity, that terminal velocity DVD. I oh, watched. right. Whew, that thing was terrible. Terrible. It was like a VHS. I mean, I can actually see the, you know, the grandfather here, you know, got about a three day growth on him. But his, uh, his, his hair in this HD transfer is really crisp, but you can see every little fine hair, which surprises me. Again, this isn't, a movie that Warner Brothers really give a shit about, but 
they had a decent master and they use a decent bit rate and it looks good. Like this is where you start getting some weird shit now. Right? This is where somebody saw natural born killers or um, <laughs> or you know, it was the doors. That see you know, that sequence from the doors. Right. <laughs> oh, well now I can't show this movie to Joey anymore. There's Bart the Bear. Man bear. Just give an opportunity to unnecessarily show nudity. Right? I mean, it's nudity like a National Geographic's nudity, but yes. <laughs> that, that landing in the river was pretty hysterical. Yeah. By the way, the night that he was using was the same night that they used to get those chunks of crystal or whatever the hell were in his back. Right. Dig out those chimes. The prop guy only made one, so got to use it to its fullest. Just keep using it, man. We had that, and then they had the uh, the bat that they broke uh, homeboy's fingers with. All right. Oh, yeah, there is more nudity. I, I forgot. We're in a weird dream sequence. He's having a vision quest. As they say in Vision Quest, the wrestling movie. Yes. Look at which way do I go? The hot young girl or the Where old do woman? I go? <laughs> Who's got more knowledge? Is he looking for knowledge or uh, someone to lay down with? Yeah, different kind of knowledge. Look at him, carnal knowledge. Uh oh. Oh. She's going to turn into a beaver. What's going on? Maybe that's her. Maybe that. Maybe I think it's the same woman. I think it's a young version and an old version, and he had to choose. Maybe. I want the experienced woman. I love how you all of a sudden you can understand their native language. Sure, it's a dream. Yeah. It's a vision quest, man. Right. Again, I don't like the Doors movie. Right. <laughs> Which he's gonna make come out, he's gonna he's gonna come out of this and write a song. Which they make fun of in the second Wayne's world. Right. Yep. I just saw that Wayne's World 2, I think, was on 2 p.m. We have to watch it. Wayne's World 2 is it's better than, is Wayne's, better world. than Wayne's World. Oh yeah, 100 percent yep. Yeah, you're not gonna get any argument out of me. Yep. Wayne stock, come on. <laughs> Dude, the whole movie's so good. Walking. I love the way the way Bob looks here in the water. And then he sticks his hand in here. Oh, look, it's just water. Or is it? Or is it? It is paint. Like this? <laughs> Pull him out. He's drowning. Get him. Save him. Grab him. No. I thought he was grabbing him by the ponytail. <laughs> These guys are like, we got to find him. I don't think he's dead. Never found a bot. We left him for dead. Look at, look at, look at his hair. Yeah, that greasy hair was underwater. No. <laughs> okay, here's your cliffhanger shot. Oh yeah, man. These right? are tons of cliffhanger helicopter shots here, like big time. That's a movie I feel like we're gonna talk about one of these days. 
Yeah, because we haven't covered Stallone for 90s yet. Die Hard on a Mountain. Die Hard on a Mountain. Also, Rennie Harlan. Yeah. What a great villain group, too, in that movie. Oh, oh you do Lithgow? Yeah. Leon from the, you know, most people may even remember him from the Five Heartbeats or the Madonna video. I was going to say like Madonna a prayer. for Like a Prayer, yeah. <laughs> or Band of the Hand. Oh, Band of the Hand. Michael you, Mann's band of the hand, as as opposed to Paul Michael Glazier's band of the hand. The other, the other man, band. Of, well, yeah, he only produced it. Well, we'll talk about that at some point because I feel like maybe there, I feel like there's a section of it that maybe Michael Mann directed because oh, I'm it's, sure it's such a tonal shift. It looks exactly like everything from Miami Vice or Manhunter. Right. It doesn't look anything like uh the rest of the movie. The Cutting Edge. What? Yeah. Or The Running Man. Oh, I forgot he did Running Man. Oh, Sven only See, see his, there's his glasses, see? Sunglass version of it. But he's probably just got the clip on sunglasses, right? Yeah, I think it's just I think they just clip Oh, look at that. Sven list. karate chopped her. He did. See, how unnecessary was it shooting the old man here? Like why do they need to do it? It was so dumb. It doesn't serve the plot at all. Oh, no, that's just to show that McGinley's a loose cannon, and it's going to make, you know, well, he could all dispatches him later in the movie. Well, he we're all going to stand up and cheer. Right. Well, he could have just punched him in the face. That would have pistol whipped him. Yeah. Anything he had to, like, he didn't have to, like, I don't know. I got to say, this is a pretty impressive set, man. I mean, it's... Uh, Again, you know, good pedigree. They spent a lot of money. Yeah. See, gorgeous location too. Goodness, man. Yeah. You see now, look at this. Now we're back to uh, January. <laughs> right. This is stuff we shot earlier, and yeah. <laughs> and now we're back to April. It's March, maybe. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. It's if, weird. I don't know why it, they stopped to show his face. They should have just, and then they start to pull again. They, they came to a dead stop. We get a close up on his face, and then we cut back to the dogs take off again. I just, right. What was the point in that? The white shot just before they did the close up. I would, yes. If, you, if I took the screenshot from that movie at that moment and, and you showed it to me, I wouldn't know what movie that was. I, I would have been guessing something fire, something far higher in brow than this. Never Cry Wolf. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he's never sweaty. I'm sorry. You wear, I don't care how fucking cold it is up there, right? If you're right. wearing something like that, you're going to be sweating when you pull that hood off, dude. And your hair, I mean, dude, I don't know what kind of crude they got in his hair, but man, it's not moved <laughs> at all. He's been wearing hoods and helmets. That's, that's the part that you miss in his dream sequence, man. They cut away before oh, you he see put it. his put hand in and slicked, he slicked yeah, it back. Right. Of course. He looks like he just, he looks like he smelled something bad. <laughs> Like somebody farted. <laughs> look, look at it. Oh. And that's the first time he's made that cigar face the entire movie. The concentrated look like I'm serious. He doesn't do it the entire movie until now. Not even during his, his vision quest. See, he even is starting to waver already. Oh, man, that stinks. What is that? Don't put that anywhere near me. I mean, that looks like a heart shot. Like, don't, uh, 
Yeah. How's he still alive? Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess it serves its purpose. Well, he was, you know, it was just for Seagal to get there. Right. And now he's gone. Is that a crow? <laughs> I don't know. The oh, crow's I, love, living I, love, I don't know, man. I love how the, I love how there's the, the flames don't totally burn out. So they just go to black to make you think it did. Right. He's become, he, he just turned into the crow. Uh, the actress to play in the, the sidekick in this. Um, it's like, do you know her from anything else? No, I was going to ask you. I was going to look it up because I was like, did they not have any money to like, you know. I mean, there's a there's about six people I could think of. Lisa Albacher could have been in this movie. Uh, you know, there's a half a dozen of, of actresses. Uh, what's the the woman who plays the psychologist in... Uh, Lethal Weapon, and in uh, she's also in Die Hard. Maybe she plays a reporter. I mean, <laughs> all right. You know, she's in all these movies. They, they just, uh, but they went with somebody who I'd never, I don't ever recall seeing her before. She's not in a lot of stuff, that's for sure. Uh, but this is probably the biggest thing she's ever she was ever in. Um, but she did a, a shit ton of television, like a lot of TV, like Knight Rider and uh, Jake and the Fat Man, Who's the Boss, Life Goes On. Look at that. Life goes on. Hey, silver bullet reference. Life goes on. Yeah. Even Babylon 5, dude. Ooh. But she hadn't she hadn't worked. Uh she worked again in 2015 making a movie called Scream at the Devil, another small movie, obviously. But between 2000 and 2015, she was wasn't working. I'm guessing she probably had a family. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking her up right now. Ron Moss, she was married to from 1990 to 2002, and they have two kids. So that's her window of time right there. Yeah. But, yeah, she wasn't in very much, surprisingly. I thought she would have been in some more things. Yeah, we're, I mean, it's funny because I thought about it when we saw her a few scenes ago. I was like, God, man, who is that? I mean, because I don't recall her from, you know, and we've been covering, we've been doing heavy coverage on all these sort of action films in the nineties and she hadn't been in any of them, which is weird because all the same people just keep popping up. Right. Not her. Right. And she came along in 1982. So like by the time you get to the, she's been in the business for a long time and this probably was going to, this again, like I said, this is her biggest movie that she ever did. She only did like 15 or so, but I got, I like that little ADR insert, the little, little loop in. I got my 45. Hey, what's this? Wait. Hmm. There's that floppy disc turned upside down again. Yeah, the best. Hmm. Sherry Shattuck is her name in case you're curious and you want to look her up. Um, surprisingly, she has her own website, sherryshattuck.com. Wow, she looks amazing. Oh, she's a writer now. There you go. Oh, really? Just a little, little just uh, some audio stuff too, but she's written like four or five books, maybe even more than that. Oh, that, she's written a lot. Wow, she looks amazing. Yeah, everybody check her out, Sherry Shattuck. I'll put her uh, website in the episode show notes. Uh oh, they're coming into that cabin. This 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 reminds me of the bodyguard. This is very much nowhere to run, too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, that was a nice uh, belly uh, shot. What's up with Seagal right there? Like he is like pointing his finger, like he's counting. <laughs> One, right? two, three, go. 
man, destroying Hugh's house, man. Ruined it. Ah, he doesn't yeah, there anymore. He just shits her in the face. He's not even using his 45 anymore. He uses 45, what, once? Yeah. Uh-oh. See, now it's time for some fisticuffs, which is funny because we haven't seen any hand-to-hand stuff, and that's what he's famous for since that opening scene. Now, why does Finn duck right there and, like, and hides? It's so weird. Because that would have been the time to like, whoa, gosh, who's the stuntman there? Oof. Now, look at that wall behind the staircase. Yeah. <laughs> that was obviously just some drywall with a bunch of uh, squibs behind it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it happens. Like we talked about in Marked for Death, you know, sometimes the camera gets too close. Nothing yep. you can do. John C. McGinley, he, he's got a thing that he does where he uh, breathes in and kind of holds his breath for a second before he, you know, lets his dialogue go, especially yeah. when he's kind of being, you know, when he's playing this type of character, who's kind of like the second banana to the to the head villain. Right. And <laughs> Michael Kane, I love Kane, dude, he's so effortless. He's just doing, you know, he's just ratcheted the dick mode up to like 10. So crazy, man. Oh, here we are. Now we're in a Vietnam film. Where are we? <laughs> I mean, dude, there's no snow anywhere. It's uh that helicopter looks brand new, matte black. And there oh, he, and is. Here he is. Arlie. The man. Hello, Gunny. R.I.P. man. Look at that. Dude, he had some of the craziest eyebrows I've ever seen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, even look how look how much more subdued Michael Caine's eyebrows in this scene. Well, it's because he's in there. They, maybe they just look subdued because look at <laughs> look at Ermy's eyebrows. They're almost talking to you. They are waving. I mean, dude, look at the light hitting that one. His left eyebrow in that three quarter pro. Look at that profile shot. Those eyebrows are alive. Yeah, look at that boy. The, the sun's hitting him. Wow. You don't realize how much they're pulled away from his face until the sun hits him. Look at those things. He's like, his, they stick out further than his mustache. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good three inch ledge. Dude, that truck's awesome. Here it is. They're back. Da, da, da. Who's the sit in right there? That sure didn't look like Joan Chen's hair. But it, See that? You don't even see her. It's, that wasn't even her. Yeah, why? What? Did her hair get like twice as long all of a sudden? I was just going to say, man, did they just, did they add some extensions or have we not really seen her with her hair down? No, we, we did. Hey, I don't want to be a dick or anything, but you've always heard about the whole Mac versus Windows thing for years and years and years. There's no compatibility back in 1994. I'm telling you right yeah, now. No. And you just put that in a PC. This is all bullshit. 
No one will ever notice, man. Who cares? That's what they, that, that's 1994. <laughs> right. No one's going to know. Just like with, no with, one's going to, just know. like with the eraser. No one's going to know that you can't burn a disc like this. Mac probably won't even be around then. I think that was a fair assumption. This is that is, Jimmy Trudell? <laughs> no, I think it, it, did we, it? he's in here somewhere. I forgot where he shows up. Oh, good Joan. You know what movie, dude, <laughs> watching this movie. See, it's funny, like watching these movies always makes us want to watch something else similar yet better. I really makes me want to watch Thunderheart. <laughs> Thunderheart's another good one. And we haven't really covered a Val Kilmer joint yet. No. No. I mean, I don't know if that's the one to cover, but, uh, you know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Val's got such an interesting career, not unlike Seagal's. Right. It's funny, man. Even as ridiculous as some of this is, I don't feel that Seagal is terrible in front of the camera. You know what I mean? Well, that's what's crazy about this. I mean, he has like, like, there's something about him. Like there's a weird magnetism or something. The camera, the camera does like him. Until right later that, in his career. That wide shot with the three of them right there. But here's the thing about like you're like you're pointing out, he's this is probably his most subdued performance, and yet he's directing himself. And you think a movie he was directing for the first time with himself in front of the camera, that it would be the opposite, that he'd be really out of control and inconsistent. <sighs> But he's very unsegal like in a lot of in this movie, and like that monologue right there. Yeah. Gosh, am I gonna say I'm gonna highly compliment him here? That might be like my favorite moment in like in his entire career, as far as saying words from a script as opposed to just fighting. But yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, uh, again, there was a point where, like, like I said, those first couple movies out of the gate. Um, Hard to Kill, Above the Law, and Out for Justice, man. I was like, dude, it's like watching a Chuck Norris movie, but he's a better actor than Chuck Norris. I mean, Chuck, the, the, when Chuck's the best is when Chuck's just not saying much. You know, and then, but Seagal, Seagal wasn't, you know, Seagal was pretty good at delivering dialogue until, you know, up until a point, and then it just became so silly that you're just like, oh, come on, man. And I guess, but, it, um, I guess, I guess it depends on the dialogue, too. Right. You got to think early on in his career that producers weren't necessarily confident in this CIA operative turned actor. Uh, but you know what? This him being good on screen as far as delivering dialogue kind of lends itself to the whole mystique about who he is and what he did before he became an actor. You know, if you're going to be undercover of any kind, you got to be able to act a little bit. And so it kind of, again, it sells the the mystique a little bit more realistically that he really was somebody uh, that was dealing with the underworld prior to getting in front of the camera. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of one of the things, you know, that sank the ship, so to speak, is that, you know, didn't someone poke holes in a bunch of his uh, lore at some point? Oh, very early on, too. Yeah. Yeah. Once he had three, once he had three hit movies, it was like, all right, 
we need to we need to wax this guy a little bit. Look now at that shot. Is, oh god, what is that? There's that terrible matte painting. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. Yeah. Now this is very cliffhanger like right here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Right after Sylvester Stallone gets all blown to shit and he finds this little hideaway spot. Oh yeah. We had Cliffhanger's the movie. I know we're trying not I know we're trying to avoid the bigger movies like that, but we have to do that one. Oh, I mean, yeah, man. I, I think I'd rather talk about Cliffhanger than um because I I've Anything? I love Cliffhanger. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean I don't want to Cobra's about, too obvious. Cobra's too obvious. I mean, I don't want to talk about any of the Rocky movies. I mean, you know, to me, Cliffhanger is fun. And it was like, to me, it was almost like kind of a comeback at a point. You know what I mean? Because um, he'd made a lot of movies, that, you know, like Oscar and things before that stopped from my mom will shoot. He started trying to, you know, it was a return to form, I think. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun, man. And that opening shot in Cliffhanger, good Lord. People still talk about it, you know? Yep. How we talked about it during Terminal Velocity. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, you know. It's, uh -oh, here we are <laughs> in our in our Bond villain. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this movie straight bunker. right. This movie straight up is Billy Jack. We talked about that before. Yeah, but it at least it's true to the the spirit of what Billy Jack was about, as opposed to a lot of the other '90s movies that we talked about before, where they're taking ingredients from other movies, like oh that was cool, that was cool, let's put that in there too. But they don't realize that those taste don't taste great together and that's yeah, why exactly. you get the movies you get as silly as this movie is and as much as we like goof on it it does what it's supposed to do it's 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 never inconsistent it it's billy jack and that's it and no. they, they never never tries to sell you anything other than that it's and the, it's pretty brisk too right i mean it keeps its pace it's yeah there's not a lot of you know we're not getting a lot of exposition we don't need you know they, they trimmed it down to 94 minutes or whatever right. um and the vision yeah. and the vision quest moment isn't too long you think no. it might be oh gosh they're they're padding things and it was fine i would say i will say this this i would watch this movie again tomorrow before i would put on a racer ever again oh yes 100 percent. i mean god racer was well was what almost two hours and felt like four right um, you know. So my my curiosity is this: so he's setting up the charges right now, right? He's setting up all the explosives, right? Yep. So, would you put would you put the igniter into the C four before you hooked it up to the? Speaking of cliffhanger shots, right? I mean, uh -oh. that that's identical to the helicopter explosion and crash in Cliffhanger. Identical. Um, this is a great shot, too. Very long riders right there. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, the DP is like, I know. I got this. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Steve, I got it. <laughs> How long do you have to hold his beer for? Not very long. I could do this one in my sleep. Yeah, totally. Wal Walter had me do this like. 50 times in this movie that's very long how long gosh long riders is like what 240 it's long uh, yeah it's it's like it's close to two and a half for sure yeah i mean it's funny we're recording this the day after stacy keach's birthday all right i want to i'm going to like 
infect both of our memories with what? 99 minutes, Long Riders. Really? Yeah, I could have sworn it was wow. longer than that. <laughs> well, it's because the word long is in the title, perhaps. Um, Maybe. Oh, but you know, it's funny because I guess if you look at Walter Hill's movies, they're all pretty uh, economic storytelling. I mean, um, yeah, that's funny. I would have guessed it at least closer to, I thought it was over two hours. Uh, me too. Maybe it's just because at our youth, we saw it, you know, it came out when, or came out when I was just about to turn 11 and you were 10. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and I mean, I, I seen it recently. I mean, I saw it within the last year and a half, but it, yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, like maybe that's the difference between watching a movie when you're a kid and watching it when you're older. Like, you know, I, you turn it off, <laughs> you go outside right. for a few minutes, you come or, or it just seems like it's longer than it is. That's weird. I would have never guessed it was under a hundred minutes. And I know it's another movie, but Long Riders, the score from Ry Cooter. Oh, good. So good. Oh, dude, there's Billy Bob just showed up. Again, if you don't hear the voice, you don't know it's him. You have to right? really squint your eyes. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, McGinley. Yeah. Ridiculous. Who does that? What is he doing? <laughs> He's gone all Christopher McDonald on us. It's all Shooter McGavin. I wanted Arlie Ermy to bitch slap him right there. You always, you know how you hear you hear about uh, the movie Heat when it came out, um, and and Al Pacino was talking about how um, his character was always uh, he was chipping coke the whole movie, but they cut all that stuff out, which right. explains his erratic behavior. Like right here with McGinley, the way he's acting, like what are they cutting out that we're not seeing that make him be so erratic? Because he's so subdued earlier in the movie, and all of a sudden now he's just like, <laughs> right. I have no sense of control. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe there was something after Svenily Thorson was killed, and you know, I, I, maybe there was there was some sort of. But again, it's that thing like where he's playing second like banana, where he does the like he's kind of always fearful. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so maybe he's just a chicken shit at heart, but they didn't really, you know, I mean, maybe we were supposed to get that from the character, but I never got it until he just started acting like a crazy man right now. Yeah. This is really, you can, you're starting to see now why Rick Waite was hired for this. Yep. For this Here's movie. some more longer. This is standard Andrew McLaughlin, uh, you know, right out of, uh, or out of Henry Hathaway's, uh, Nevada Smith down the hill that yeah. ride. Toward the, oh, that dude almost ate it. Ooh, this is a crazy bit here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little cheesy. Uh, you think you would have taken the time to maybe drop the, the bomb? Yeah. Before they like, I let them jump and then throw it over? <laughs> right? Right? Uh, Catch him in midair. Because he stops. He had the time. Now, why would you stop right there long enough to see them coming? They're coming, dude. Your bomb's either going to work in your favor or it's not. No more eyebrows. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, singed. No, yeah, explodes way ahead of time. Those yeah. glasses, gosh, they're terrible. Yeah. I mean, really, maybe my biggest complaint about this movie is his sunglasses. <laughs> I mean, there's other stuff, but man, his glasses are awful. Yeah, all these, all those refinery shots right there, except for the one on the water, that was all done in Torrance. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somewhere. I was going to say Sun Valley. Uh, 
Look, look at, look at, how was that, that ambulance that was down there? The fire truck or the fire chief car, whatever the fuck it was. Eh, the one from Emergency 51? Yes. Dude, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm with you. Always, dude. See, what a weird answer. Just super right smooth, dude. Like him cutting one hand on the, one hand with a gun, one hand on some eagle beak uh, chain link cutters <laughs> with a sack around. Yeah, he's smooth. Well, I got to say, he's, and I've noticed he's very about, fluid. I've noticed about all of his movies, and I don't think I mentioned it during Mark for Death. But he's ambidextrous when it comes to holding a gun. Yeah. I've seen him shoot left-handed and right-handed, and they're not flop shots. I mean, that's not easy. That's no, not, not easy. All. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. Emergency generator. I'm sure glad it said emergency generator. Now I'm right gonna, now I'm gonna take these things out too. Clearly marked. But I guess it has to be clearly marked. So and now you know I'm gonna sh shut it off. Now I'm gonna short it out. This maniac Taft. <laughs> it's funny because uh I almost forgot his last name was Taft. Thought they were talking about Howard Taft. <laughs> Although if he said Howard Taft today, nobody would know that there once was a president named Taft. Flammable gas. Why would it say that? Yeah, maybe that's kind of maybe it's going to affect something in the near future. Oh, gotta have I don't know an explosion. We'll be back, man. Yeah, take a piss. All right. I love in the '90s, dude, because we that I got that whole I got to take a piss thing was in something else we watched. It was almost the exact same setup too. They weren't afraid to leave their post to piss back in the '90s, and they'd right. let you know about it. See, and that's a cute little moment right there, showing the fact that he's literally under their noses and doing what he's doing without them noticing. Yeah, and they were cute about it too, you know, and they were clever about it. With the cigarette falling. Right. His reaction was great. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Maybe I don't maybe I don't dislike this movie as much as I thought I did. <laughs> I look, I'm just gonna say, man, I watched it the other day. When I said it was ridiculous, I meant it like not in a horrible way. It was like I remember it was way better than I remembered it being. I remembered seeing it like and being like, What? You know, but I mean, I guess, you know, after seeing so many of these other nineties movies. This one's not nearly as bad as half of the things we've talked about watching no. or watched. And we praised. <laughs> and we praised, totally. I, I think, you know what it is, is you, you have this preconceived notion of what this movie's supposed to be based on the premise, because it sounds so silly. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that uh, the golden, the whole golden raspberry thing, man, I, I don't know that it's worthy of all that. No. And, and the ironic thing was, is that, they was nominated for all those things, but he only won one thing. And Seagal went for worst director. 
which really I'd have to revisit 1994. I bet you I could find five movies that were worse directed we've, than this. We've talked about them. Yes. And I have to think that, I don't know, man, I'm not buying this. I'm not, I mean, I will, you know, we sh- I want to go back and look at the 1994. Like you said, I want to see what it was up against and what it lost to. Right. And, and what did it beat out for worst director? Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, most of Seagal's movies can end up being nominated, but this one I wouldn't put on that list. I put I wouldn't put this under Siege on that list. There's a whole bunch of movies I wouldn't put. This is much better than... I would say that maybe Marked for Death is the only one that I kind of think is bad uh, from that, that, you know, from the first five or six we talk about all the time. Um, and And again, it's fun to watch because of the, you know what we've you know what we had our theme with the jamaican bad guys uh we still got to get into predator too but uh, you know for what this movie is this movie's you know it kind of hits all the right notes it's it's not over long um you know watching the technical him do the technical stuff of him breaking into this whole thing left and right-handed i mean that's him doing it all and he's doing it with ease it's you know sometimes you see an actor doing this kind of stuff and they're fumbling through stuff and you're like oh yeah and then you know so the inserts are super tight and it's obviously somebody else's hands but i mean he's doing it all in frame right i you're there's there a lot of the time when you're seeing stuff that he's his character is doing on screen you don't see those insert shots because he's just doing it yeah there's, there's no inserts. Right. It's off, It's for other characters in the movie. <laughs> oh, thank and, God. And I don't remember. I mean, Kane's performance isn't as over the top as I had remembered it being when I was young. Like, I, I, I mean, I remember laughing. I get, again, I think that's because I was really more familiar with, you know, in my younger years, Michael Caine being kind of a goofy, lovable, nice guy, like in the film Water or any of the other things I said earlier. You know, I didn't know... But I don't think he's, he, dude, compared to some other people in some other 90s movies, he's pretty subdued. <laughs> right. And, you know, and having, uh, you know, people like Arlie Ermey and Billy Bob Thornton and guys like that show up in it, you know, um, as opposed to uh, sort of more generic stock or, you know, stunt players delivering lines. You know, we know these guys and, you know, so, and they're, you know, they're pros with the dialogue. So, you know, you're buying it. Right. Ermy's little speech kills me. Right. And Ermy's little speech right here is this almost word for word the same speech that you get in Under Siege. Oh, when you, when you oh. find out he's not just the cook. He's not just, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm super excited now about watching Under Siege, which, you know, for 25 years or whatever, I haven't obviously been very excited about it. The best part about Under Siege is these kinds of dialogue you're hearing from one person. It's a back and forth. It's a ping pong between Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey going back and forth. It's yeah, I so, can't believe dude, it. Dude, really, it's so good. I can't believe I've never seen it because I love everything about what you just said. Gary have, Busey, I Tommy a, Lee Jones. Right, and I have a feeling if I go back and visit it, I'm going to laugh more than I laughed in this movie. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I'm super psyched. I guess it was a, this was a good, this was a good uh, movie to watch to get more excited about watching under siege because under siege 2 is not very inspiring no to watch under siege no under siege 2 isn't inspiring to watch under siege 2 no it's the only not. thing that inspires is hitting the off button yeah exactly uh, 
and then frisbee that disc across the room. Turn into a coaster. Uh, you know, I was reading criticisms on the Wikipedia, uh, you know, highlights from critics and, and reading those things. I'm like, man, people really had it out for Seagal and, 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 and the things that were said about him were kind of unfair um, as far as like him lacking the, the technical ability to be anything like what, uh, what Billy Jack was with Tom Laughlin, you know, being the star and directing that. Right. But I'm like, come on. He's like, I don't think that's fair because he surrounded himself with top notch production people. You know, I have a hard time. The quote is acting technique and the ability behind the camera to keep the story simple and direct. This movie is super simple and direct. There's nothing convoluted about it. You know what's going on. He works for the baddies. He realizes it's bad that he's working for the baddies and he does something about it. That's, that's you know, 75%, 80% Billy Jack. And it's entertaining, so what the fuck? Right? We're going to get some John C. McGinley madness here. This is good. Here, here Here's another uh, term, terminal velocity moment. Right? Oof. Oh, here she is. <laughs> and it's handled the same way as terminal velocity. Oh, yes, it is. Nessie, now what is the point? How do you do that? This is the best. I love that all of all of Kane's lackeys, they don't just die. They die horribly. They die horribly. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no easy way out for them. See, it's, not, it's not quick either. No, and it was sad about the secretary getting blown up like that. Yeah, she worked for for for, uh, for Michael Kane, but she didn't murder anybody. <laughs> McKinley did got what he got because he murdered his, you know, he murdered a friend. He murdered a bunch of people, random people. All she did, all she did was just take a paycheck and like keep his calendar and organize and everything. I mean, what did she really do? Deserve that. Right. No, but I guess she, I guess she knew. I don't know. Well, see, Billy Bob Thornton right here looks like the cat that was in, in scream playing the cameraman. He also played, uh, the, the brother, and there's something about Mary. That's what he looks like in this movie to me. He's a little heavier. Get the beard, which you're not you used to seeing. You mean Dan from Deadwood? Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. He played Meatloaf in that. Uh, did you ever see that Meatloaf biopic that VH1 did? He played Meatloaf, that no. guy. <laughs> yeah, man, something to look forward to. I need to go to YouTube and watch that later. Yeah, it's funny because I think I saw it after something about Mary, so I couldn't stop. I, I, it was hard. He's great in it. Um, yeah, you should, you should check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's about meatloaf. So, hey, man. There's a, there's a book called Seagology, um, about Steven Seagal's career. They talk about it on Deadly Ground, and they say it's like one of his most defining works. And so they say it's the corniest, most unintentionally hilarious movie of his career. I don't think that's fair. But it's also Seagal's most sincere and his most ballsy. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. He said, "If you can't you can't understand Seagal if you haven't seen On Deadly Ground," <laughs> which I think is great. I, I think I think half of that that quote is true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, and I agree. The last you know, the last half of the third act most definitely is 
very much a Seagal movie where you, you, you would take you a moment maybe to not be sure about which movie you're watching. Um, but it works. Right. I feel like it's three movies jammed into one movie, but I, I don't know that I hate any of the three. Um, I mean, you know, all this, it, W. Earl Brown, that's the guy we were thinking. And you're right, dude, there was a time where I would have confused the two of them. Right. Easily. It's funny because I think maybe the only thing I had seen Billy Bob in at this point maybe was One False Move. Uh, maybe? Because I think this was before Tombstone. He's in Tombstone, but only for a minute, I think. And you know, you know how I feel about Tombstone. It's not something I put. You know, it's not something I've put to my memory. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sling Blade coming up in '96, but yeah, before this, um, yeah, One False Move in '92, and Tombstone was '93. Oh, yeah. And decent proposal too. Was he? Oh, yeah. See, that's been a, it's been a minute since I've seen that movie. Yeah. What's funny is that he's in these movies and everything like that, and he finally got around to doing, um, some folks call it a sling blade, which is his short film that led to sling blade, the feature. That was the same year that he did this. 94. Gotcha. Yeah, it's funny, man. He's like, if I hadn't known he was in this, I might have just thought it was, you know, Dan from Deadwood. <laughs> I mean, you're right. They look, they look uh, you know. Especially because Billy Bob's heavier, he's carrying, he was heavier in this movie than he, you know, than he's his post uh, sling, sling blade Billy Bob. Right, because after this, he just blew up. You know, after Sling Blade, he kind of he just, I mean, everything he did was he was in studio films left and right, and he's lots of major minis, mini majors. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, and uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's had an interesting career for sure. Another thing too is you see a full head of hair as opposed to somebody who was struggling with his hairline once he started getting really big. Yeah. It's funny because that's a big uh, wrench. Oof, it certainly is a big wrench. All right, here now. This is, you know, this is the cigar we love. Yes. I mean, this this might as well be on a submarine. Now his ponytail <laughs> here is tremendously longer than it was earlier in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Maybe there was a reshoot. Maybe he had cut it down for this. Maybe the, uh, I don't remember if this oh, was like, this before Under Siege, right? This is after Under Siege. So maybe he was, maybe they did a reshoot for this or something. Who knows? But yeah, man, it's swinging in the breeze right here. Yeah. It's like how much longer it is. It's, it's a good three or four inches longer. Yeah. Oh, man. That was wicked. Nasty. Dude, this score is so good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what's crazy is uh, we made uh, Basil Polidorus. Didn't he do the, didn't he do the score for uh, Body Parts? Ooh, maybe. I know he did. It, I know he did the first Conan is where I sort of became familiar with him. But I think he did Body Parts. Well, yeah, around this time, you know, he had done quite a bit. Um, but yeah, he did both Conan movies, and then, but where I really started taking notice of him uh, was RoboCop, 
Right. But John Milius was really big on using it. Milius used him, uh, the reverse of Richard's son. He used it, which is, was his student film. So he's known him since USC, um, Basil. And he used him. Uh, and Milius, of course, used him again for Big Wednesday. He I am used, wrong. And he did not do. Him. I'm sorry. He did not do. Uh, he did not do body parts. But he, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, for Big him, Wednesday, right? Big Wednesday. He did the Blue Lagoon, but he did. Emilius used them in almost everything. Farewell to the King. Yeah. But, oh wow! But for the one where I came along and, and really noticed him was RoboCop, and then so I noticed him every point after that. Hunt for October, quickly down under. You know, he's like, yeah. And of course, he's also not afraid to do fun, silly ass movies like Hot Shots Part Deux. Duh. That's a good scream. It's funny too, like Joan Chenton's hair now is suddenly tucked inside of her jacket. Yeah. Remember how it was short and then it was long? Now it looks short again. Like, and they've got it tucked like it's weird. Yeah. You know what it is? Is they're like the stunt one. We can't we don't have a good wig for the stunt person. Probably. I something. Because you can't show her wigs. Man, look how long the ponytail is. It's ridiculous now. I mean, she can, I mean, it's almost like she can hold on to it. Here, <laughs> hold on this while we go through the smoke. Oh, here he's running. But he, you know, he's uh, he's not even doing, I mean, his running wasn't even as funny as it was. I'm not even sure if that was really him running. There he goes. Oh, you did it a little bit right there, yeah. Oh, see right there. <laughs> he totally did it. He's still doing it. Even in oh, slow yeah. motion. Here we go. Yeah, see? I mean, look, he never fails to deliver. Oh, you best. get everything you always want in a Seagal movie. Up in During this period, anyway. See, and, and if you had only seen this movie for the first time, you'd think, oh, he's running like that because he's trying to, like, it, it's it, things are exploding around him, so he's kind of, like, trying to... He's being bounced off of off of balance, out of balance and shit like that. No, man, that's how he runs all the time. Oh, that's just his thing, man. That's his jam. <laughs> uh, some superimposed explosions. That's a good miniature. Whoa, that was a nice explosion near the truck. Oh wow. yeah. Woo! My goodness. Wow. Damn. Yeah, man, could use some miniatures. Again, he had fifty million dollars. Yeah, back in the back in the day. Dang, I'm surprised somebody didn't use this like in something else. Like, uh, here's some explosion stuff from as like stock footage or whatever. Right. Because because you have to think that nobody saw the movie. Now they're up in Alaska shooting the Capitol. Because that that looks believable. Now, see, this is where it gets a little too much. Right. But I, I think there's your there's something that's very intentional here. Um, obviously, you're you're getting super heavy and. We're, sure. We're going to pound in the message here. 
Well, it's kind of funny too, man. They're showing all these sort of high concept electric cars, man. And now we're kind of there, but still, you know, we still haven't fully embraced all that right? because there's no money in it right. for somebody. Right. You know, cause there's, there's cars that was the, what was the movie that they had uh, where the, they developed the engine, the combustible engine that could uh, just keep you driven with on water. Oh yeah. What was that? What uh, movie was that? Is that the one, the electric mist? <laughs> I don't remember. Is oh no. I mean, I'm talking about like, it, it's a, it's a, it's the MacGuffin in a movie. I can't remember what it was. Oh man. Black moon rising. <laughs> Sure. Why not? Oh, it's just so terrible watching this. You know, ah, oh, God. Yeah, see, there's your prophecy moment right there at the bear. Yeah, no, absolutely. You think about this, is what, 16 years after prophecy? Yeah, roughly, yeah, 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 for sure. Because what was that, 78, 79? Yeah. Probably when it was shot in 78. Ugh. Yeah, put toxic you know, waste on the side so we know it's toxic waste. I would say probably that a lot of you know people hating on Seagal and all because, like, man, maybe he, maybe they felt he was pushing an agenda that they didn't want pushed. I don't know, man, um, because none of this really it doesn't bother me. I mean, it's it's hard to watch, but it should be hard to watch. Um, again, this movie kind of I don't I don't hate this movie, man. <laughs> No, and you know, it's, and people talk about being like you're talking about being so preachy or whatever, because you know it's not like this the entire movie. All of a sudden, well, at least at least if it was, it was subtle. But now it's just kind of like, all right, you're gonna get a PSA now. Here it comes, and I think it might be too much for people, or maybe not too much for people, but maybe from the source that they have a problem with. It's like, dude, you go around like breaking bones and blowing shit up and murdering people. Oh, but you're this guy too. Okay, I understand. Well, you know, it's uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes things come before people are ready for them. I'm not going to say that, I, you know, I think Steven Seagal is like, the, but I mean, I got to I, I gotta say none of it bothers me. I, I understand why. I'm sure the studio probably, he probably had final cut and he said, well, this is how it's going to end. You're not cutting any of that. <laughs> it sure feels like it. <laughs> it goes on for a bit. This is long. Yeah. Especially if you end up on all that high action and then you cut to this, you know, it's a little bit like. Well, it's what's so, he's so preachy about this in this moment. His character went the very beginning of the movie where he's being chastised for, you know, selling out. And he's like, oh man, that paid me 325 grand. He'd sell out too. Right. You know, but just like that, you switched. Well, well, he had a vision quest, man. He saw it all in the vision. Man bear. Man bear pig. That's that's what gets lost in the uh, you know in the in the in the hype of a Seagal event movie. He was a man who he was changed. So what I was pointing out earlier about how different this is to the other press conferences you've seen in it, a lot more people, a much yeah. bigger hall, as sure. opposed to seeing what what Michael Caine was doing both times that he yeah. was out there talking. Right. I felt like they were in a real place at the end of the movie. And they were on stage somewhere. Uh, in the, uh, seriously, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, look, now here we go. Prophecy Roll credits. Shot. Prophecy yep. shot. Now, here's what's weird. This whole move right here. Now you think, oh, the movie's over and you're getting up and leaving that theater. I'm like, no, you still got one more shot of the two of them in a boat together. 
and then they'll start the credits back up again. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of bizarre. I wasn't sure, you know, why that happened or, uh, you know, I it, it seemed oddly like a com- like something you do at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> right. Right. I was waiting for him to say, what are y'all doing here? <laughs> Go home. And, and part of me is like when you're ruining this shot too by having all these credits over it. Absolutely. They could have started all the credits after this. Right. Because you, show them, you show, yeah, show them out in the boat together. Oh, look, they're lovers now. Uh, up, there he is, it's Grandpa, the crow. Yeah. Look. Look, where you were just looking a moment ago in your close-up. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Keep looking. Yeah, there's no question he had final cut. <laughs> right? I mean, well, good for him. Now, see, this would have been the moment to run the credits, man. Right, running over all this. You wasted probably end. with probably the best, you know, helicopter shot in the entire movie. Because a lot of times when you're seeing those kinds of shots, either they're pulling back or whatever. But you when you see the people and recognize, oh, that's really the actors, it's super grainy because they're so far away and they're zoomed hard with that really long lens. No, that's not what happens here. Yeah, look at that. Uh Anyway, there's On yeah. Deadly Ground. On Deadly Ground. Holy. Steven Seagal's directorial debut. Yeah. Debut. It's his, it's his debut. Yeah, I can't. It's, by the way, I love the credits now. 24 frame engineer, system engineer. This is back when they had, this is back right. before, you know, nonlinear and they're able to shoot digitally or whatever and allow them to, you know, Video Village is far different now than it used to be. Um, video village now you can actually not only can you not only do you get to see exactly how it is in the camera you get to see it with uh color grading instantly how you're gonna make the movie look when it's finally up on a big screen so you had a crew of you know seven or eight guys that handle video village and the setup and it was a really extensive amount of work just to do any movie and of course those guys had to set up every single time they're on a new location, which is not easy to do. It's a very time-consuming. This is a very '90s thing. The terrible song over the end credits, because this is not very. This is a bad song. <laughs> is this Richard Marks? No, it is not Richard Marks. <laughs> I don't know, but it is called "Under the Same Sun." It is super Oof. terrible, and this this also was nominated for a Raspberry. Uh, I could this I could understand. That guitar. <laughs> oh, here we go. Now we'll find out who it is. Under the Same Sun, performed by the Scorp- is this the Scorpions. Yes. Good God. Yeah, it's the Scorpions, dude. Wow. I forgot to say that to you earlier. I ever. have headphones on. I, I it, with my headphones on, and I swear, dude, I was so convinced it was Richard Marks. <laughs> and I'm a Scorpions fan. Yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah. Now here's what's funny about it. Claus Maine was the co-writer, right? Was surprised. This wasn't some song that they just did, but he's the only one of Scorpions that wrote it. 
Bruce Fairburn, who we all know, like who's produced a lot of stuff, him and Mark Hudson. Now, if you don't know who Mark Hudson is, <laughs> he used to be on a show with his brothers called the Hudson. What was it, the Hudson Brothers Comedy Hour? What it was it called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a Saturday morning car, uh, a Saturday morning uh, variety show that used to be on for kids. Anyway, I used to run into Mark all the time when I'd go to West LA Music. But anyway, there it is, dude. Done. That is on deadly ground with wonderful claws main. See, I think they say scorpions, but really, I think it's just claws. I don't think it's anybody else. It, it certainly didn't feel like a scorpion song. No. Um, yeah, I would. Uh, I would have to. If I cared enough to, I would have to maybe sp- go to Spotify and see if I could listen to it, but I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah, it's not- All right, man. That was fun. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. We hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. 